0: 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And so once you are there, please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body so also is Christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free and all have been made to drink into one spirit for in fact the body is not one member but many if the foot shall say because i am not the hand i am not the body is it therefore not of the body if our ear should say because i am not an eye i am not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the whole body were an eye where uh, where would it be? Where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, then where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If you go down to verse 27, it says this, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After the miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. This is God's word. You ready? Lord, we we are excited to learn from you tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would speak truth into our lives and that as we learn more about you and who you are, we would learn more about ourselves. And so, Father, anoint this night. We love you, Lord, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. So tonight's going to be a little different. Usually when I'm up here, I'm a little preachy, right? Just a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm a preacher. That's what I'm supposed to do. But tonight, uh, we're going we're gonna to be a little more teachy tonight. Does that make sense? There's preaching, and then there's teaching. Preaching is admonishing, encouraging, speaking on one's life. Teaching is informing, right, on how we can encourage one another, right? And so tonight, we're going to be a little more teachy. I have a slideshow to prove it, right? I have a slideshow. And we're going to be learning about all the spiritual gifts tonight. This would be a great night to take notes if you have pens or if you have your phones. This is an excellent night to take notes. We're going to be going through all 19 listed spiritual gifts in the Bible. We're going to be learning about what they entail, what part of the body they are. And we're going to be learning about where we all fit in that. And it's really important for us to know the spiritual gifts. And it's very important for us to know how how they work biblically and how they work within the context of the modern church, right? Right? because there's many denominations and many different opinions, right, on on how the spiritual gifts ought to operate, I'm going to inform you, first of all, what is declared in scripture, and secondly, how it is declared in the proper context of this church body. Does that make sense to you? And so we're going to be going through all the spiritual gifts. Now, before we go through the spiritual gifts, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is who unifies us under the body of Christ. Christ Christ has a body, and we are it, right? We are the manifestation of Christ here on earth. He dwells within us, and we are his ambassadors as his body. We're the hands and feet, we're the head, we're the heartbeat. He he is ultimately the one who who has power and gives us life and gives us direction. God alone, Jesus Christ, is who is the chief shepherd, senior pastor over the church, amen? Amen. He alone is the senior pastor. He alone is the chief shepherd. We take all orders from Christ. And as the senior pastor, he he gives us roles within the church. And so, first of all, he gives us salvation and adoption into one family, into one body through the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who unifies us. We are all of the same spirit, of the same baptism. It says right here in verse 12, for as the body is one, And has many members, but all the members are of that one body, being many, are one body in Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. This means that our socioeconomic status, our gender, right? The, The different places we are, our ethnicities and races, our backgrounds, our cultures, they play no part in the roles that we have in the church. God has equipped you all specifically for a certain role. And we are all unified, though. We, we, we must realize that we aren't, we aren't people, and we shouldn't be— there's a lot of people that think we should categorize people. Does that make sense? Oh, here's the people with the gift of teaching over here. People with the gift of tongues over here. People with the gift of helps and service over here. And, and people want to categorize themselves, but, but the reality is we're all unified in one body. We cannot be categorized categorize if we had nothing but an entire church of teachers and preachers it would be an awful church just letting you know it would be dirty right the toilets wouldn't be cleaned worship would stink everything would be off right if we only had teachers here at the church does that make sense so we we, we all we all play a pivotal role but we are all unified in one body the second thing that the holy spirit allows us to do he allows us to serve one another just as christ has served us it says in verse 18 but now god has set the members each one of them in body just as he pleased and if they were all one member where would the body be this means that when i break my arm my other arm helps it right you see, I, I injured my shoulder in high school. And as a result, all the other muscles around my shoulder started to help and compensate for my hurt shoulder. The same thing happens within the body of Christ. When one member is injured, other members come to help it. And the hand should never say to the foot, oh man, I wish I, wish I was like you, man. You get, to, you get to walk everywhere, right? The eye would never say to the ear, man, I wish I was an ear, right? There is no jealousy, amongst the body of Christ, because they all serve a specific role. And so before we go into spiritual gifts, I want to establish four quick things for you. Four quick things for you. First, I want to establish the fact that Jesus loves his church. He loves his church. He refers to the church as his bride, his bride. You as the church are his bride, his precious beloved That's who you are to Christ. And Christ's entire ministry currently is either building up, encouraging, or adding on to his church. Adorning his bride with more love, more members, right? This is Christ's mission to bring people in to the fold of God's presence by adding to his church. Jesus is about his church, so we ought to be about his church. Christ is about his bride, so we ought to be about his bride. So I never trust someone who says, oh, I love Jesus, but I really, his church, I, I don't like so much. That's like going up to someone and saying, Hey man, I really love you, but your wife? Eh. We would never say that to someone, who was to their face, right? But, but listen, listen, Christ loves his church, as imperfect as it is. As, as, as messed up as it is, Christ is about his church. So loving Christ without loving his church, not a thing. And you never should trust someone or take advice from someone who declares to love Jesus, but is not plugged into and under the authority of Christ's church. Right? Because that is where you know, because, because here's the thing. A hand without the rest of the body is useless. So is a a rogue Christian who just wanders around aimlessly with with no fellowship, no accountability. It's like a hand just walking around trying to do ministry. So we are only as useful as we are together and unified. You can try to go rogue. You can try to do your own thing without church, without accountability, without pastoral care. You can't. It'll be hard for you. That's not the way Christ has operated. That's that's not the way he's created things. Secondly, secondly, the gifts. As we go through the spiritual gifts tonight, we have to know that these spiritual gifts are not like Christmas presents. (laughs) They're not like Christmas presents. How many of you grew up with siblings? Anybody grow up with siblings? So for me, right, and for all my siblings, when we were given gifts by our parents, we opened up our gifts, saw our gifts, then immediately looked. To our brother's gifts, or our sister's gifts, right? And we would automatically compare. So if these gifts are for us, given to us, of course, naturally, we are going to look at other people's gifts and compare and contrast. However, that's not what spiritual gifts are. Spiritual gifts are gifts that are given to us in order for us to give. They're not gifts that we ought to receive. So, so someone who said, Oh, man, I got the gift of serving, not the gift of teaching. Right? That's the same exact thing. That's, that means that your gift is for you to feel better about yourself, not, not to give to the body of Christ where it needs. Right? And so, so these spiritual gifts, they're not Christmas presents. They're, they're gifts that we give to Christ's church, not gifts that are given to us for our own personal gain. Right. Thirdly, Thirdly, your gifting is not who you are. So it's really easy for us because we live in an age of the personality test, right? We live in the age of going on the computer and like, what's my personality? If my personality were a color, what would it be, right? What's my Disney character, right? You know, all of these stupid things that are rolling around Facebook and and all different sorts of social media that we, we want to define ourselves. So it's really natural for us to say, oh, There's my spiritual gift. That's who I am. Listen, I have the gift of teaching, but I, that's not who I am. You may have the gift of discernment, the gift of encouragement, but that is not your identity. Your identity is wrapped up in what Christ has done for you. You are who you are. And in Ephesians, it says that Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So guess what? You should have more spiritual gifts now than you did when you first became a Christian. So it's not a matter of me taking my spiritual gift and only using that spiritual gift. First time I gave this sermon on spiritual gifts, I listed, Ah, uh, I think I, I, think I clump in around two of them, right? And now looking back at it, now looking at where I am now, man, I could say that I have more. We are to desire every good gift, right? So, so, don't, so don't look... Your spiritual gift and say, This is the only thing you're capable of. Right? Don't take it like a personality test. It's not your identity, it's not who you are, it's how you serve the body of Christ. And the more you have, the better. Right? And fourthly and lastly, some of you may have natural talents that you can use for the kingdom of God that aren't listed in Scripture. Use those. Use those. Just because it's not listed in Scripture doesn't mean you can't. There's no gift of worship in the Bible. Right? There's no gift of musical talent in the Bible. It's not specifically used, but I think we could all agree John uses it magnificently to edify God's church, amen? Amen. So just, so just because it's not listed here doesn't mean it's not something that you can use for the kingdom of God. Now, we should all be trying to exercise something in this, in this list, but there are some natural talents that you have that you can use for God's glory and that may clump into this. And so we're going to get into it. All right, we're going to get into spiritual gifts. So I've categorized, well, here we go. I've categorized the spiritual gifts into the gifts of the head, the gifts of the heart, and the gifts of the body. So we have our gifts of the head, which are leadership roles, right? Or the eyes, the people who discern and see, the people who are speaking into the church's life. The people who are, who are running the church, right? This is the church leadership. Naturally, this is going to be less people, but this does not mean that you cannot exercise it in your regular context. So just because you're not in church leadership necessarily doesn't mean you can't exercise these gifts at your work, at your jobs, to edify one another. But this is generally the gifts of the head. The gifts of the heart are those, the internal organs of the church, those who are lifting up and building up and taking care of the body and the head, the heartbeat, the lungs, the breath of the church. And then we have the gifts of the body, those who get into the world and do the nitty gritty things, the heavy lifting, the evangelism, getting into the world, as we all should be doing, right? We can't clump ourselves into one specific category. But this is how the body of Christ operates the gifts of the head, the gifts of the heart, and the gifts of the body. So, first we have the gifts of gifts of the head, the leaders and the visionaries of the church. And this starts with the gift of apostleship. Now, many people would say that the, the apostles are, are gone, right? There's no more apostles around, but there is still the gift of apostleship. You see, the gift of apostleship, guys, are people that are, are used to move large movements for the kingdom of God. These are the people like your, your Billy Grahams and your Martin Luther King Juniors, These are the people leading large movements for the kingdom of God, all right? The big Billy Graham's Chuck Smith's of the world, right? This is the gift of apostleship, people used by God to use large movements. Some of you are that. Some of you are not. That's okay, right? Amen? Next is the gift of shepherding and pastoring, as we see in Ephesians 4, verse 11, these are those that are called to have a flock of sheep, people to care for. And listen, listen, pastors and shepherds, listen, the, the, the spiritual gift, there, there's the role of pastor and shepherd, and then there's the gift of pastor and shepherd. I would say the role of pastor and shepherd is, is much different from actually exercising the gift. I say that mostly men are shepherds and pastors in the church leadership, right? As, as prescribed to Calvary Chapel theology. However, every single mom has to have this gift, right? Every single mother must have the gift of pastoring and shepherding. These are people that God has entrusted a flock of sheep to them. His most precious people. He gave this call to Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Pastors and shepherds, they identify those that need feeding, that need caring for, and they take them in. This is the role of a pastor. as Pastor Rob, Pastor Tony, Pastor Brett, Pastor John, Pastor Mark, Pastor Marty, and myself. All of us have been called as pastors. We have specific little flocks that we look after, and then large, the larger body of Christ here at Godspeak that we look after. And it is our job to defend you. It's our job to love you and care for you and give you what you need, the the right food that you need. That's the gift of pastoring and shepherding. Third, we have the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment, guys, is that you understand God's will and purpose a little bit more than most people, right? You are in tuned to what God is doing in the lives of people. Now, there are four types of people in this world. There's four types of people. There's shepherds, there's sheep, there's wolves, and there's hired hands, as it says in Scripture. The shepherds are to look after the sheep. The wolves are out to get the sheep. And the hired hands are those that kind of take care of the sheep, but the minute the wolves come, they book it. And so someone with the gift of discernment is able to discern that person's a shepherd, that person's a wolf, that person's a sheep, that person's a hired hand. The people, the gift of discernment are able to look. Now, now, some people are judgmental and say they have the gift of discernment, right? Some people just like judging people, right? That's not the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is when we look at people, we see God's plan in their lives. We understand their true motives. Now, as I have been a youth pastor for the past six years, I have had to develop the gift of discernment. And as many of you who are parents have had to develop the gift of discernment when your kids are lying and when they are not lying, right? That's the gift of discernment. That's something that the Holy Spirit gives for the sake of edifying Christ's church, for the sake of saying, do you know what, guys? That person's a wolf. We need to handle that. Hey, this person's a shepherd. What what are we doing to cultivate that gift in them? This person is a stray sheep. How are we bringing them in? That's the gift of discernment. Does that make sense? Next, following the gift of discernment is the gift of teaching that we find in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 teaching guys is that you love god's word but not just to read god's word does that make sense you love god's word but not just to read it you have to absolutely must tell somebody you must tell somebody this is the gift of teaching at its core you have to tell somebody about the things that you have learned there are some kids in my youth group where they 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 study something and they cannot help but text me right after they learn something that's the gift of teaching where, where you learn something, you take in information, and for some reason, you can't completely process it unless you speak it to somebody. Now, now, in order for to have the gift of teaching, people have to be able to understand you, right? There's a lot of people who love to tell me what they learned, but I can't understand a word they say, right? They have to be able to properly articulate what they've learned. A prime example is, is Pastor Mark and Pastor Rob, right? pastor Mark and pastor Rob, anytime they're learning something, you see, they're not just taking sermons and regurgitating them. They're not finding sermons online and just like spitting them out to you in an eloquent fashion. These are people that have done their research. They, they, they get into the word of God and they're so excited about it that they have to express it to you on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights. They have to. That's the gift of teaching. Next guys is the gift of administration. The gift of administration, guys, is that, okay, how many of you, your desk, just all the pens are in the right place at the right point? Your bed is always made, right? Your closet is well organized. There's some of you like that where everything has to be neat and in order and nice, right? These are usually people who may have the gift of administration within them. A prime example of this is Pastor Brett here at the church. Pastor Brett is so incredibly organized and he uses that to organize and mobilize people. Where he looks at people and he understands how to organize them into certain groups so that they could be useful for the kingdom of God. The people of administration tend to be good with money and finances. Pastor Denny and Pastor Tony have the gift of administration. They use it to help us with the finances here at the church. Those are the people with the gift of administration and they need to be in leadership, right? Because typically the people like me with, and Pastor Rob with the gift of teaching and prophecy, uh, we are so scatterbrained it's not even funny, right? So we need people with the gift of administration, right? Then we have the gift of leadership as we find in Romans chapter 12. Now leadership is mobilizing people towards a cause. now, These are people that want to inspire and lead people to the kingdom of God. But here's one thing that you need in order to have the gift of leadership. You want to know you have the gift of leadership? Guess what? People follow you. There's a lot of people who are like, I have the gift of leadership. They turn around, there's no one there, right? No one there, right? A lot of people want the gift of leadership, but not many people have the gift of leadership. And God has made that specifically for a purpose, right? In a room of all leaders, nothing gets done. Leaders need to be in the minority. Does that make sense? Leaders need to be in the minority. You have people like Moses and David, right? The gift of leadership. Have all the the 12 apostles, the 70 disciples, people with the gift of leadership, able to mobilize people. Now, not everyone has this gift, even those that desire it. And here's the thing. A lot of people want this gift, so I'm going to tell you, if you cannot make decisions for people without stressing out, work on developing your gift of leadership because you don't have it yet, right? In order to have the gift of leadership, you need to be able to mobilize people and move people and lead people without having an anxiety attack every single time, right? Those are people with the gift of leadership. And so those are the gifts of the head. Those people tend to be in the minority because it's necessary. It's necessary in that way. However, every one of these gifts needs to be exercised in some way, shape, or form in the household, right? Each husband and wife needs to exercise these types of things in order that they could both lead their household well. Teachers need these gifts, right, that are managing a classroom, People who have jobs and people under them, they need to be able to exercise these spiritual gifts. However, we need to make sure these spiritual gifts, they are all, they're not just talents that we have that we can use to have our own personal gain. These are all things in order to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? And so now we get into the essential, what, what I believe, all of these are equally important, but I, I, I believe that this is these are gifts, the gifts of the heart, that are lacking sometimes in this in in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. At least from my own observations, even at this church, I see there's, there's a kind of a lack of these types of spiritual gifts. Now, I'm not saying there's a lack of spiritual gifts. I'm saying there's a lack of exercising them, right? We all have gifts that God has given us. It says that he has granted us every spiritual gift from the heavenly places. It's a matter of us recognizing this about ourselves and exercising them to benefit others, right? So the gifts of the heart, the first one, whoa, now, gift of wisdom, gift of wisdom. These are the people that are counselors and advice givers, the counselors and advice givers. Now, have you guys, have you guys ever had your headphones and you put them in your backpack, you put them in the back of your car and you take out your headphones and they're in this impossibly crazy knot and you just can't get your headphones untangled. Anybody have this problem? Just me? I'm, I'm the only, okay. So we, there's the, have any of you had a shoelace that just cannot come untied? Or just, I don't know how it got there, but it's all contorted and weird. Or you have an extension cord for some reason. You thought you wrapped it up well, but it's just insane. And there's no way of unraveling it, right? The people with the gift of wisdom love those knots. They love those knots as it applies to human beings. They love seeing the intricacies of people's issues and saying, do you know what? How can I help you and counsel you into untying those knots in your life? How can I use God's word to apply it to this situation you're in here? This is an incredibly precious gift in the kingdom of God. You you are able to come alongside people that are suffering and going through issues and problems that we all go through, and you're able to take God's word and accurately apply it into how they can untie that spiritual knot, right? Spiritual gift of wisdom. Alongside that is the spiritual gift of knowledge. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, gift of knowledge, These are the scholars and nerds of the Christian community. You love reading books about dead people, right? You love just the smell of books and the smell of wisdom and knowledge. You have a library, whether it's big or small. You love knowledge. You seek knowledge. You want to know more. You are a scholar of God's word, as Solomon was. Now, now what I've noticed in the kingdom of God, what I've noticed in the church community is that most people with the gift of knowledge are the people that are shy, which sucks because we need you. We need you. There's some of you that are way more smart than I I could ever be. You know far more about scriptures than Pastor Rob or I will ever know. And we need you. We need you to listen to our sermons and say, do you know what, Zach, I'm not, I'm not sure that was right. This is what God's word says, right? We need people like that in the body of Christ where, where people are spitting out whatever they want. That's, that's the thing about our culture, right? In the blogging culture, anyone could put out their opinions anywhere, right? Anyone could put out their opinions anywhere. We need people to give of knowledge to say, check that, uh-uh. People with the gift of knowledge tend to be uh, rather shy sometimes, though. So I'd encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and start building up the, the body of Christ with your knowledge. We need you, right? We need you to spread the love a little bit, right? Don't take up all that knowledge for yourself, it's meant to be used. Now, we also have the gift of encouragement, I find super important. Gift of encouragement. You love motivating and bringing the best out of people. Paul always describes the Philippian church as having this gift, all right? The gift of encouragement, the gift of encouragement, guys. You love motivating, bringing out the best in people. You're a generally happy person. Now, that doesn't mean life is awesome all the time, but generally you have this joy about you that you love to give to others. It's infectious, because God has wired you to see the best in people and the best in situations. Man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. As a pastor, I don't think people always fully realize that the most mean people to you are the people in the church as a pastor. I mean, even, even among all believers, some of, the, some of the most mean and nasty people are the people that you're trying to help and shepherd and guide, Right? And I'll tell you what, there's some, of the, some of the worst times in my life have been a result of what Christians have done to me, not what the world has done to me, but what Christians have done to me in this church, in our community. And I'll tell you something, every once in a while, one of my youth kids, it's usually a youth kid, will come up to me and say, I'm so, I'm, I'm so glad of what God's doing in your life. Thank you for helping me. My life wouldn't be this way without you now i don't, I don't, I don't take that as oh, puffing on my pride. I take that as what a great encouragement that I know didn't come from you but came from the Lord. Guys, there's hurting people here there's hurting people now now one thing now one thing among my friend group i don 't know around your friend group, but when when friends tend to get together, there, there tends to be some uh, some jokes that just fly around, right? Jokes fly around. We like to put each other down a little bit, keep each other humble sometimes. But I'll tell you, something I started praying for last year was, God, just really give me the gift of encouragement more. Give me the gift of encouragement. And you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to say, Lord, give me this gift, please, so I can exercise it for my friends, for my church body, for my family. And so, I, I, and so instead of just giving me the gift of encouragement, God gave me opportunities to encourage people. Right to speak into people's lives. Some of you have this gift. You have this natural inclination to just see the best in people, and what God is doing in people's lives. Use that. Text people out of nowhere. If God's put someone on your heart and you're just like, man, I'm really thankful for this person, tell them. Because likely God has put that on your heart for a specific reason. They're going through a hard time right now. And as the body of Christ, we need to come alongside each other and help each other heal in that manner. The gift of encouragement, they're the life force right? They're, they're the lungs of the church. They're the ones keeping people breathing, keeping people running and going. It's extremely important. And alongside that, we have the gift of prophecy, which we find in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, first Corinthians 12. Paul actually calls this one of the most important gifts. He says, a lot of you like the gift of tongues. I would rather you have the gift of prophecy. Paul says that he gives it, he gives it this higher, higher form, the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy, essentially, according to scripture, is, is, is speaking the truth of God's word into certain situations in life. It's taking God's word and applying it to people in situations. That is the gift of prophecy. My buddy Kyle has this gift. One of my friends, Kyle, and he he just go in, and, and he'll he'll be walking around and he'll be in prayer for people. And he'll just be walking uh, on campus at Channel Islands. He's, you know, he's a senior there at Channel Islands. And he'll just be walking. And I've been walking with him. Where He's like, hold on a minute. And he goes to this random person he's never met. And he just says, God's told me something about you. Here's what it is. And he'll speak into their life in a certain way. And I've seen people just break down in tears Wow, this is witchcraft like this is so weird right but but it's it's awesome it's the gift of prophecy some of you guys you have friends that are suffering you have people in your lives and there's specific words that god gives you about them share that and that 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 takes being in tuned with god's character right And so there's the gift of prophecy where we speak into people's life. Paul really, 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 really emphasizes this gift because it is the mode by which we really build each other up. It's the gift of prophecy, prophesying into people's lives, saying, do you know what? God loves this about you. And do you know what? God doesn't love this about you right? Here's some parts of your life that God is stoked on. Here's some parts of your life that you really need to work on for the glory of Christ. We're allowed to do that as brothers and sisters. You guys know that? You don't have to tiptoe around each other. You don't have to do that. We as Christians should be able to take correction from one another as well as encouragement. We should have that type of relationship with one another where we could speak into each other's lives. That way, that way, only thing, if the only thing you have in common is that you come here and look in one direction for 45 minutes, that's, that's wrong, right? That's the only thing you guys have in common is that you sit here on Wednesdays and you look this way for 45 minutes. You're doing the body of Christ wrong. Get to know people here, join a quad, right? Join a discipleship group. Get involved and start knowing people around the church so you can start actively encouraging and prophesying in people's lives. Man, that's powerful. Way more powerful than anything I can say, or Pastor Rob can say, or Pastor Mark can say. Far more powerful. I've listened to sermons my entire life. I listen to about, I'd say, six or seven sermons a week. Nothing compares. To when a church member comes up to me and says, Do you know what? This is what God showed me. Take it or leave it. And it's usually something that is super impactful in my life. That's the gift of prophecy. And that's super important. That is necessary. Paul says, I would rather all of you have the gift of prophecy. Forsake all gifts. If all of you had the gift of prophecy, it'd be amazing. All right? We also have the gift of faith, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have the gift of faith. These are the prayer warriors, right? These are the people that pray big. These are the people that are here on Sunday nights at five, praying for the entire congregation. These are the people that believe, that believe that God can do amazing things so they will go after it. And they'll pray to him in faith. And for some reason, the world is ending and we all need to go to the moon to survive. These people are like, man, God sent a rocket ship and it does happen. It's so weird. I do not have this gift. I am working towards this gift, right? Gift of faith. These are the true, this is the true heartbeat of God's church. True heartbeat of God's church are the people that pray faithfully for all of you. Man, guaranteed somebody prayed for you before you received Jesus. There was somebody praying for you. There was somebody like, this person needs you, Lord. I know you're gonna do it. And lo and behold, look at, look at you, you're here, right? We're all here. It's because someone with faith prayed for you. And we have the weird stuff. We're going to get into the two weird. Ones. We're going to get into healing and tongues. All right. So buckle your seatbelts. You know these, these these are the controversial gifts, right? These are the gifts that are weird. Okay. So if you have the gift of healing and miracles, you love to pray for, to minister to, and care for those that are hurt and sick and broken. It doesn't just mean physically. It doesn't just mean physically, but a lot of the times these are educated people with the gift of healing. I know a lot of doctors. I know a lot of doctors. Dr. Deal. How many of you guys go to Dr. Deal? A chiropractor. There's a lot of people at our church that go to Dr. Deal. He's a chiropractor and he has the gift of healing. I truly believe that. But he uses medicine to do so. Now, my, my, my dad and I, we have, a, we have a friend. His name is Dr. Dave Danzy. And this man goes to country after country. He's a spinal surgeon. And sometimes people will come into the office and they'll have tumors on their spine or they'll need spinal surgery. And he'll say, before, before we do x-rays and look at everything, can I pray for you? You know, pray over them. And a lot of them don't even need surgery after that. That's a gift of healing. That's a gift of healing. It happens, right? It happens. People, the gift of healing are the people that are willing to visit those that are sick, are willing to pray for those that are sick. These are the people that work with the mentally unstable. These are the nurses. These are the doctors that are using their gifts for the kingdom of God. And then we have the gift of tongues. Yeah. When I, when I picture the gift of tongues, I picture like you know in the deep South dancing with snakes like all over the place. Ah, bit me! out, was shabat habat. You know, I, I picture these types of people in the gift of tongues. Now, now we must look at the gift of tongues biblically. We must look at the gift of tongues biblically. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, please turn there with me. This is a very controversial 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, it says this, I wish, or it says in verse 4, first of all, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you all prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I came to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when, when they make a sound, uh, they all make a sound. Unless they make distinction of sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Many people look at the gift of tongues as some higher form of spirituality. There are many denominations, like Hillsong, for example, that believe if you cannot use the gift of tongues and you don't have a a language in the gift of tongues, you're likely not saved. This is, a very, this is very common among many denominations. We need to understand that Paul says, if I have the gift of tongues, it's meant between me and God. So, so there's many people with the gift of tongues. It's meant between you and God. Unless there's someone to interpret what you're saying, Paul is saying it's useless to the church, useless to the edification of the body. He's saying you might as well be speaking to the air because no one understands you. He's saying unless there's distinction in your words, how is anybody going to be able to understand you? So if, if, if I got up here and started speaking Russian, the only person who's going to understand me is Max, right? So, so, so it would be virtually useless to most of you unless you speak Russian, so I'm not going to come up here and start speaking a foreign language that has no use to you. Paul is saying the same thing with the gift of tongues. He's saying it's beautiful for unity between you and God if you have the gift of tongues. But it's virtually useless unless someone's there to interpret for you. So if someone, so if someone who spoke in some native African dialect, that they came up here and preached, they would need an interpreter up here for you guys to be edified by it. And so there's a lot of people that healthily have people speaking the gift of tongues, but they also have people interpreting for them. But Paul says, do you know what? I would rather you just prophesy and teach over people. I'd rather you just do that because that way everyone can be edified, not just a few. And so we, we need to understand that when we look at people dancing around and speaking in tongues. Because I've had a few people at our church that have, have come from a lot of churches, especially down south, who are now here in California. And, and I had a youth girl actually come up to me and ask me, why don't you guys speak in tongues here? We have a couple of leaders in our youth group, uh, Amanda Bague. She'll actually tell you that she's gone to a few camps with Lighthouse where, where they, where they go up to a camp and all of a sudden everyone's speaking in tongues. And she, and, and, and she explains. she, she asked her leader, she's like, how do I speak in tongues? And the leader said this to her. Oh, you just kind of start like rolling your tongue until something comes out. Kids here in California, in our community, are being taught that. Guys, guys, that is, there's no edification there. There's no use for that in the kingdom of God, right? Language between you and God, that's beautiful and magnificent. A lot of people who have that. Rob, say, Rob will even admit there's, there's a couple times where he has had that type of experience between him and God, but he would never come up here. He's never come up here on the pulpit and try to speak to tongues to you guys, right? Because he knows that he might as well be speaking to the air it's very important for us to understand about the gift of tongues. I I spent so much time on that because it's, it's very important. It's very important for us to know because it's a very controversial thing. So anytime, anytime someone tries to talk about the gift of tongues to you in a way where, Oh yeah, but everyone should exercise the gift of tongues. And all you have to do is this and this and this, just take them to first Corinthians chapter 14. Okay. And say, all right, I'll do that. If you can reconcile this passage of scripture for me. Okay. And so lastly, guys, We have the gifts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We have the gifts of the body. These are the hands and feet of the congregation. We'll close here. These are the people that are getting into the nitty-gritty. Okay? These are the people that are out there doing hardcore work for the kingdom of God. They're getting their hands dirty. The first one, guys, is the gift of helps and service. We see this a lot in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter chapter 4. We see the gift of helps a lot. Now... I would say this is something everyone should take upon. The gift of service and the gift of helps that you love coming alongside people. And where can I help? There's a lot of people. I I, I remember when when Chris Bake, he's on staff here at the church. He does graphics and he helps out with the junior high ministry. He's a very gifted teacher. But when he first came on staff, he he, he just said, how can I help? Anything. What do you need help? I'm like, well, what do, what do you like doing? Do you like teaching? Do you like leading worship? He's like, I like helping. That's it, right? These are people that I, I just want to help. It doesn't matter where I help, but how can I help you, right? These are people that are very flexible. Flexible in saying, it doesn't matter what you need. What do you need, right? I want to help you. I want to help you in this manner. This is a support role. They don't come with an agenda that people may say, like, I, I feel called to do this, you know, a lot of people are saying, I, I, I just have this vision. I have this thing. I want to go forward. I want to implement this in the church. But the people of the gifts are saying, uh, the people of the gift of helps are saying, I understand that you're called to this. How can I help you and encourage you in that? Right? So, 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 so some people are visionaries and they, and they're like, this is the mission people of the give to helps. are like, amen to that. How can I help you brother? Right? Those are the people of the gift of help super valuable. Then we have the gift of evangelism, right? We have the gift of evangelism. This is ministering and preaching to specifically non-believers. Non-believers. Everyone is called to this role. However, some are just better at it, right? We're all called to speak and minister to non-believers, amen? We're all called to that. Nobody's exempt from that. However, there's some people that are just naturally, amazingly gifted, One of my, my brother Wyatt, he's extremely gifted in this manner. He is so gifted at ministering to non-believers. If you have this gift, you look at non-believers, you look at people who don't know Christ, and you don't see them as they are. You see them as they could be. You you don't see them at, ah, you're in sin, you need to stop this, you need to quit this. A lot of people We'll look, at a, we'll look at a sinner, right? Like, we're not all sinners, right? They'll look, at, they'll look at a non-believer and they'll say, man, you really need to get your drinking problem together, bro. You really need to stop sleeping around like that. You really need to clean up your act. People of evangelism will say, you really need Jesus. You really need Jesus. He loves you. And they usually manifest that, and they usually show that by their love for other people and their boldness to be a part of their lives. Their boldness to speak truth, no matter what the cost. Now listen, if you have the gift of evangelism, if you want to exercise the gift of evangelism, you need to have non-believer friends. You need to have non-believer friends. You can't just clump up in, 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 your, in your bubble of only Christian friends. However, don't hang out with the wrong people and then call it evangelism. Right? Oh, no, I'm evangelizing. I'm ministering to them. That's why I'm here. No, you're not. You haven't mentioned Jesus one time in any of your conversations. Hanging out with nonbelievers doesn't necessarily mean you're evangelizing, right? It's an intentional form. If Jesus' name isn't being mentioned, it's not evangelism. If Christ's name isn't being lifted up and proclaimed, it's not evangelism. Then we have to get to giving. This This is the one... All of you have, right? All of you have the gift of giving. Yeah? All of you have just check check after check. Church. You know, ministry. Bam. You know? Yeah, all of you, right? Just laying out the dough, just giving it to all the ministries and nonprofits. Right? No, this isn't me. I wish. But listen, giving away and allowing others to use the resources that God's given you. Now, all of us are called to use the gift of giving. Now, now some people that are more generous are... God tends to give them more, right? There's a, lot, there's a lot of very well-off people, and God has made them well-off because they, have, they keep a loose grip on everything they have. The gift of giving is essentially saying, here's all this stuff I have. It's not really mine. It's God's. So yeah, take whatever you want. The gift of giving is saying, well, if I have two cloaks, what, I don't need that. I, I here who needs who needs a cloak? Does that make sense? Well, I, I got all this food. I, I'm not going to eat all of this. Who needs who needs food? Right? These are people with the gift of giving, where they say, "Well, I, I have money." And man, I mean, I, could, I I have enough to eat. I have enough to have a roof over my head. I have enough to provide for my family and pay the bills. But there's there's this there's this small like ten dollars that I'm not using. Well, I'm going to give that away. Those are people that get to giving, right? They take the excess and they say, well, it's not, it's not mine, anyways. They don't just give the excess, though. They give the what? What do they give? The tithe, the first fruits. Because everything that's, that's given to them isn't theirs, right? So they're like, oh, man, it's payday. That means I get to start giving. And they get stoked over that. They get excited over that. I'll tell you something. There's a, there's a specific amount of money. I don't make tons of money, but there, there's a p- specific amount of money where I'm like, oh, sweet. So this person gets this and this person gets this. I get my paycheck and, and I go to the bank and I get cash. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like checks. I, I get cash. And I'm like, all right, this goes to that. This goes to that. And this goes to that. And I love that. It, it brings me joy. It brings me a lot of joy. People, the gift of giving, that is is a gift of the body right there. They are providing in a very tangible way. Now remember the parable of the widow who had only one little mite. There's these rich people just giving piles and piles of cash. And this little widow, all that she had was a little tiny penny. And Jesus says, you know that woman that gave the little penny? She gave way more than all these people combined because it's all she had. God loves that. God loves that. On top of that, gift of mercy. If you have the gift of mercy, you love hurting people. Not like hurting. You don't. You don't love hurting people, right? You love hurting people. People that are hurting, right? You don't love like hurting people. Weird way to describe it. You don't love like hurting people. You love people that are hurting, right? You love hurting people. You love to. You're the one who's visiting the hospitals right? You're the one who's going to your friends who are sick. Hey, the kids, uh, the, the, the new family that just had a baby, you're the one bringing them the meal, right? People are a gift of mercy, people who who are unable to really help themselves. You want to help. When you see homeless, when you see the mentally handicapped, you hone in on them and you say, God loves them. They can't give anything to me. They can't give anything back to me. What a great way for me to show the love of God. I can't give anything to God, but he loves me and provides for me. He can't give anything to me. What a great way for me to show the gospel in that way. These people can't return anything I am going to give to them. And in doing so, showing the love of Christ. That's the gift of mercy. Lastly, lastly, so you guys can all take a deep breath. Oh, we're almost done. You guys didn't want to go through a college course, but I think this is really important for all of us to know, right? Lastly is the gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality. These are the people that make it their goal in life to make people feel welcomed into God's family. They open up their homes and their time to people. They open up their resources. Their lives are open. Their lives are available Christ comes with us with open arms saying, all that I have is yours. The entirety of the kingdom of God, that is my inheritance, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to make you feel welcomed into God's family. I'm going to put you into the body of Christ. I'm going to give you a church where you feel welcomed. And those with the gift of hospitality are looking at people that are lost and don't have a family and don't have a home. And just saying, here you are. Here's the body. Here's all, here's all that I have. People that are welcoming others into their own lives. Now listen, I, though I work in ministry and though I am a pastor, I am an extreme introvert. That means I love being alone. It is my favorite thing to do ever. It is my favorite thing. And guess what? My entire day is focused around being with people, right? My entire day is focused on being around people. And so when I get home, I want it to just be mine, right? I want to be alone. I want to be in solitude. I want to be away. But one of the biggest ways that I have found I can exercise the gift of hospitality is forsake my desire to be alone and open up my home to people. My roommates and I, we've had some great opportunities to allow people to come into our home and feel welcome. My youth kids, they love to come over and they play video games and eat pizza and we do Bible studies together in my house. My house! I hate it when people touch my stuff. I hate it when people intrude on my own personal space, my bubble. I need to be alone. However, I have found that some of the most intimate and amazing times are when I have allowed people into my life. I've allowed them to cross that little line. Some of you have drawn this line in the sand and you said, go no further. This is my space, that is your space. Let's respect each other's thresholds, right? Jesus, Jesus separated that line for us. The line between God and ourselves, was, has, that has been dissipated by what Christ has done on the cross for us. So us showing the gift of hospitality is mimicking Christ in that manner. Saying, do you know what? There's no, there's no line between me and you. What's mine is yours. And what's yours is mine. As it says in Acts chapter three, that all the, all the people in the church had everything in common. They never, they didn't see it as their stuff, their resources, their home. It was everybody's part of the body. So I would encourage you, if you want to exercise this gift, have dinner with, with some people, right? Invite them over to your home. Go to a common area and allow people to experience your life. Do life together, the gift of hospitality man, do you know what? Invite your neighbors over. Like, I think think, think it's really weird because in the suburbs, like it looks like the fences are just growing bigger and bigger. Like the walls are just increasing and growing. We don't want to interact with our neighbors. Invite them over. Be a part of each other's lives. Reflect the love of Christ in this way. Give to hospitality to the people that cook, right? They pay attention. And they create community. And so all of these spiritual gift, guys, all of these spiritual gifts, like I said, they're they're not meant to categorize us into some clump where we we stick to what that is. And you know what? It's really easy to just, oh man, information overload, 19 spiritual gifts, talked way too long. You know what? I'll kind of figure it out as I go. Do you know I encourage that? Man, start exercise, just start trying out all of these, right? Just start trying them out. Start teaching people. Start being hospitable to people. Start praying for people. Start having mercy over people. Start evangelizing. Start stretching yourself in certain ways because as I said three times already, God has given you every spiritual gift in the heavenly places. He's given you every spiritual gift. He's made it all available to you. So start finding out in the ways, match. And I love what Pastor Rob says. He says he takes takes the certainty of God's word. God takes takes the certainty of his word and mixes it with with the uniqueness of people's characters. So he takes people's uniqueness. All of us are unique. We're special in some sort of way. And then God's word, it is everlasting. It's never changing. It is stable. And what God will do, he'll mesh the two. And that's when we find out who we are, find out how we contribute to the body of Christ. As I said before, if the only thing we have in common is that we sit in a chair for 45 minutes twice a week, we're doing church wrong. We need to have more in common than that. We need to build each other up. We need to learn each other's names. We need to be a part of people's lives. Joining a quad, joining a discipleship group, Shaking hands with people and getting their numbers and actually meeting them for coffee throughout the week. Ministering to one another. Asking the church leadership, hey, where's the need? Where can I help? Because you're never going to learn your spiritual gifts unless you start serving, right? Unless you start serving and being active. So I'm going to pray for us and, and, and do that reflection on your own. Find out, God, where would you have me? Where would you put me? Who would you have me minister to? Who would you have me be hospitable to? What ministry would you have me be in? I'm not going to tell you that. God's going to reveal that to you as you start serving and being active. Amen? Lord, we love you. And I pray, God, that, that our home, our niche, where we feel comfortable would not be in any specific gift. It would not be in exercising some sort of task. Lord, but our identity would be firmly established in what you have done for us on the cross. And as a result of that, Lord, as a result of us having identity in you, God, having certainty in you, that we would be able to minister and branch out to our brothers and sisters. We're all messed up, Lord, and we all need you. Use us to help each other. Lord, I, I understand fully well that there are prayers in here. People have prayed for help. People have prayed for friendship. People have prayed for guidance and wisdom and knowledge. And the person sitting next to them or across the room from them is the answer to their prayers. Lord, help us to all realize that we, in the gifts that you have given us, we are our vessels for ministering to your bride, the most precious church. Help us to fully realize that upward and amazing calling we have. Help myself, Lord. I tend to want to just stay within my lane, what I think I'm good at, and only do that. Lord, help me to branch out. Help me to push myself to realize, to realize how much you've truly given me. We love you, Lord. We give this night to you, and we give the rest of our week to you, Lord. Ignite a fire in us and guide us.